Kurt Vonnegut's become unstuck in time, so he's going to have to get a little robust, and we're going to find out how she will weather crawdads sing. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. Uh, it is good to be back. Um, back from out of the shadow, shall we say. Back in the UK and back without COVID. Uh, it is nice to be back on the on the screen and to bring you all of the top movies on the big screen, the small screen and everything in between. Van, I have missed you. How are you, my friend? I have missed you as well, Bex. You've had quite the ride for, is it been four weeks, five weeks? That feels like an eternity. Welcome back. You've been you've been missed. Zara kept your chair warmed and marvellous job whilst you were gone and I'm, I'm glad that you've come back to a pretty decent week I would say it's not the best of weeks but it's it's an all right week you've, you've seen some stuff this week did you have a decent <laughs> week of movie going yeah and I think you know what's interesting is that two of the movies that you're going to hear in both the first and the second block are linked together in the sense that they're both about aging movie stars but very very different films. Um, so why don't we kick off with our first, yeah? Why don't we kick off with our first film, which is probably the more extreme of the two aging movie star movies? It's called She Will. Um, mm-hmm. It is available as of um, today, rated fifteen. It's only about an hour and a half long, but boy, is this going to uh, to blow your mind? It's a horror. Um, it's about an aging movie star um, who she basically goes under the under the knife and has a double mastectomy, and mm-hmm. then goes with her nurse to the Scottish Highlands to what she thinks is going to be a ladies only retreat where she comes across eccentric characters like an artist played by Rupert Everett for instance and then in her dreams every night channels witches who were burnt at the stake and and brought upon that land to seek revenge from very very difficult moments of her past why backs you almost make this sound strange the earth was thought to have healing properties from the high proportion of human ashes due to the women who were burned as witches we noticed how the wind here sounds like whispered you were always such a special girl I'm having dark thoughts. My special girl. Would you go back and relive your childhood if you could? This place, it's giving me a second chance. I mean, first of all, I, I didn't even recognise Rupert Everett when he turned up in this. He just started speaking. I was like, is that bloody Rupert Everett? Is that large fellow over there, Rupert? Because I can't tell if he's in under prosthetics or if Rupert Everett has just gained weight because I've not seen him in a long, long time. So it took me a minute to go, oh my bloody hell, that's Rupert Everett. Anyway, um, so there's a lot going for this, but it is one of those that does fall into the, for the abstract, for the more cerebral horror crowd, for a fact I think for people who like an A24, like a Corin Hardy mm. kind of a film, like visually it's quite arresting. It's quite interesting. It does some quite unique things like with the iconography of like the witches. And it's nice to see something like this done 
um, to what I would say is quite an American production standard, but as a British production. Uh, you've got Alice Krieger giving quite a good performance, I thought, in the lead. I mean, she's always been quite a captivating actress and, you know, Star Trek nerd. So she's always going to be my Borg queen, you know, good old Alice Krieger, even though, you know, she's known for a billion other things. Uh, Amy Manson, I thought, gave good support as well. And also Malcolm McDowell, who I didn't know was in this, who I thought did a really good job um, bringing the creep factor to what's quite a timely, oh. <laughs> quite a contemporary element of the story, I thought. But hey, how did you find this one, Bex? Yeah, it's kind of a, a yeah. witches meets me hmm. too kind of horror scenario is how I'd describe it. And, you know, I find <laughs> yes. Malcolm McDowell creepy in his movies at the best of times. Mm-hmm. And to see him in a horror like this, where he actually is yeah. that link to the kind of me too side of things is is interesting um because he has that kind of <laughs> <laughs> he has that kind of sinister look about him where you're just even if he wasn't in a horror no offense malcolm but even if he wasn't in a horror i'd be suspicious um, so it's um you know it's good visually like you say it is yeah. you know it does do some really impressive stuff the levitation things like that the, the dream sequences they clip together well it's a great comparison mm. to yeah. say that it is it if you like the A24 style movies, that this is what you're going to get. I totally agree with that. For me, though, it's yeah. got to be, you know, you've got to be this type of horror fan to want to watch it. Like you say, it's very mm. cerebral. It's very avant-garde to a yeah, point. Yeah. And for me, you kind of lose that sort of narrative. I'm so much more of a traditional I, bump in the night, you know, just, you know, like just scare me and a jump scare. And, and, and I'm much happier with that. <laughs> I think Sinister 5 did get a release date this week. As far as I understand, I think Warner Brothers gave Sinister, the fifth one in that series, a release date. So jump scares are returning to movie theatres. And and there's a a trailer out this week for Halloween Ends. So, you know, we've got more traditional horror in the pipe as well. But I think uh, for if if you're someone who, uh, you know, just is a genre fan, who likes the A24 stuff in particular, she will in multiplexes this weekend. And I think she will entertain you. Uh, one that did entertain me, and I was really shocked. This actually entertained uh, my fiance as well. I, I was just, I, we were working from home together at the same time. And she said, what, what links have you got to watch this week that you need to watch from home? And I, uh, I said, well, I've got a link uh, about uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Would you like to watch a documentary about Kurt Vonnegut? And she absolutely blew my mind when she t- I said, that actually sounds fantastic. Let's do that. So clearly I'm marrying well. Um, and Kurt Vonnegut's <laughs> unstuck in time. Time is out from today. We've got a clip we'll play in a moment. You are. So this is kind of this is uh, this this is a love affair in itself. The documentary itself is a love affair. I, I, I just this this work of great love by Robert Weed, who I know primarily as a director on Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know the Larry David show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I had no idea he'd been doing this for decades. He's been doing this since he's he's 23, yeah. 22, 23 when he starts this project. He wants to make the definitive biological. Uh, bi- you know, a biographical uh, chronicle of Kurt Vonnegut, one of the most iconic science fiction writers ever, like up there with Heinlein, up there with Asimov, just one of the greats. And this is the compilation after all these years of all of these stops and starts, all of these various different interviews, all the time they they have gotten together and looked at his life and times. And here it is presented for the very first time. But of course, now it's so much more than just a biography of one of the great writers. It is, of course, the story of telling the story of one of the great writers of our age. 
When I was a child, and there were many serious things going on, such as the Great Depression and all that, it was Laurel and Hardy who gave me permission not to take life seriously. And it turned out that it was okay to uh, laugh your head off. <laughs> life was a very serious business, and it inspired me to try and write funny books, that this was a good thing to do with a life, is to be funny. So I'm going to... Be honest I didn't know and don't know who Kurt Vonnegut is I'm not a science fiction fan I'm you know I'm not familiar with no. him but the question I've got for you is mm. without knowing who he is will this film if I watched it blind as I would be excite me about him and his work and want to learn more I think you would watch this in the same way that you would watch a music documentary about a musician you didn't particularly know for instance I know you've reviewed a fair few of those with me over the years um, so you know it, mm -hmm. it's how you found uh, how you found that experience really uh, this is one of the good yeah. ones this is quite a good uh, you know a good little movie in itself because it also has that hook of this is you know the story of trying to tell that story going for it and I think it's done quite well the third act in particular is quite moving as it gets into the relationship that's just developed over these decades between this filmmaker who started out just as a real fan and this icon and just how they got to know each other over these years. And I'll be honest with you, I, I found moments in it where I, I, I found myself thinking of, of Alan Frank. You, you find yourself thinking about people that you've known in similar sort of circumstances. I, I took me to Alan Frank thinking, oh, it's so weird when you start getting to know someone whose work you, you know. I mean, think of the, the, you know, the names that you and I have grown up with that we now work with and what it's like. It, it very much captures that feeling, I think, that the, the surreal feeling and then a re the really deep friendship that evolves between them. I, I found it quite moving. I think if you're not a fan, there is enough to sell you on his work. I think there's enough of an explainer as to why Vonnegut has the reputation he does and why his work speaks to people the way it does. And if nothing else, you are definitely going to go away seeking a fair few film adaptations of his work. Definitely Slaughterhouse-Five, if nothing else. Welcome back to Offscreen. Well, there we go. We've kick-started this week with two films. One for you auteurs out there who loved a little bit of science fiction and one for you horror fans as well. So definitely two things to be entertained in two very different ways. We're sticking with the big screen now because we've got a, a French film about another ageing film star, should we say, played by Gérard Depardieu. It's called Robust or Robust, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and it's, this, it's this, the story of kind of an ageing and disenchanted movie star who gets a new assistant in the form of a female wrestling loving uh, security guard and it's all about the relationship that the two have together and I have to say it's a lovely kind of uh, mm. movie that just explores just that rather than taking you on a big you know jaunt across lots of different scenes and settings mm -hmm. and things like that it's a much more intimate piece and that's what I really like about it again it sits at the one hour 35 minute uh, time frame certificate 15 um, and again it's out uh, today as well Van what did you think of this movie? 
I actually really loved this. I mean, first of all, it's it's not a million miles. I mean, language obviously being a factor in this as well. It's not a million miles removed from uh, is it Intouchable or the Untouchable? Or, you know, the, the Omar the Sy yeah, Francois Clouseau one that gets adapted as the Upside. It's yeah, quite similar yeah. to that, only without the disability element that made that. Because obviously, in that in that case, it was that he was in the wheelchair. He needed the helper. Um, in this case, it's just a spoiled mm. actor uh, who needs you know a PA. But but it's a similar dynamic and the film is very similar in a lot of ways particularly tonally i thought it has a, a similar a very similar tone to it in how it balances the drama and that sort of affectionate comedy i think it's wonderfully written in that it's quite pacey it's quite punchy it knows not to waste time it does what it needs to do and then literally just gets the hell out of there i mean this movie get, achieves what it sets out to do and then just rolls credits and you're like fair play i can't even you mentioned the runtime as being yeah. like 95 minutes i can believe that because at about 93 minutes the story has achieved what it has set out to do and then the director's like ah, we're done now slam credits we're good you've had a good yeah. time we've had a good time fun times had by all brilliant um the thing for me and, I, and this is just how you have your cake and eat it when this inevitably gets its english language remake as i love to posit i love to posit this one when this inevitably gets its english language remake are we thinking jack nicholson for this one because i'm thinking jack nicholson i think jack nicholson might be the guy they get for this one he seems to like a good foreign language review he was going to do that one a few years ago with amy adams that never happened the, the oscar nominated one i forget what that yeah. one was about three or four years ago maybe um, anthony hopkins you know Tony, uh, yeah, that could work. I'm just going to say, though, that if you have to cast someone, and this is where I feel like they added an extra star on every review automatically in the casting on this one. If you have to cast someone to play a prolific, pampered, debaucherous, self-obsessed, but brilliant French thespian, Casting Gerard Depardieu is just the definition of having your cake and eating it. Because he literally is all those things. This is getting Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man level insanity. That's just taking the Michael. And he's brilliant in it. Of course he is, because that, that's just him. Um, I will say as well, uh, Deborah Lucumwena, uh, who plays, uh, is it Issa or Aisa? I can't remember offhand. Aisa, uh, yeah. I think. His, his PA yeah. slash, his security turned PA. Um, I think she's great, and I think she knows how to play deadpan opposite his lunacy quite well, because he's a funny figure. Yeah, and his kind of grotesqueness as a character mm. and her flatness yeah. is really complementary of each other. Mm. Um, I don't see why Gerard Depardieu couldn't play this in an English-speaking one. Yeah. It's probably only because yeah. he's not... He, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, because obviously we've all seen Green Card, you know, there's, there's yeah. we know he can do English-language films. But it would be... I don't know if it would be as believable in a way when you don't have a... a you know, a much bigger UK mm. or US star playing that role because of who we know them to be. So no. in France, this would work perfectly because of his notoriety as an actor in, in France. Um, it's an it's a really interesting one. It is worth noting, I think, Gerard Depardieu may actually be, if memory serves, I think he has, with 250 lead roles to his name i think he actually is by definition the most prolific actor of all time i think offhand wow. he has been a lead actor since if memory serves 
1967 or 68. I was, and I wish I could lead, lead. This is not Eric Roberts turning up for cameos in 300 movies. We're talking lead roles in 200 odd, like 250 movies since the late 60s. He's the most prolific actor of all time. So hats off to you, Gerard. You've, you've earned hats this. You've earned, yeah. yeah, every piece of ham that he folds up and shoves in his face hole in this. You know what? You've earned it, Jerry. You've earned it. So let's move on then to <laughs> what clearly meant to be the awards contender, the big old school tentpole of the week. It stars Daisy Edgar Jones. It's got to its name, I believe, Reese Witherspoon as a producer in full. Yeah. Uh, what's that TV show yeah. she did for, for HBO? You know, the one with the white poster and all the prolific actresses on it that she was she was in a while back. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, not Daisy Edgar Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has it seems to be aiming for that kind of crowd. It's called Where the Crawdads Sing. It's in theatres this, uh, this weekend exclusively at cinemas because it's a Sony movie so they love that term exclusively at cinemas and Daisy Edgar Jones is the marsh girl the sort of wacky as far as the town uh, this small uh, you know swamp like based town are concerned um, she's the sort of oddball outcast strange young girl who's kept relatively to herself her whole life she's now in her 20s she's become an author and she's accused of murdering one of the 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 town rich kids as it were and because of the notoriety and the urban legend that surrounds her it's not long before she is uh she's she's dragged up on the witness stand and literally just outright accused of this crime that there is no evidence whatsoever for. And the only person willing to stand in her corner is David Strahern, who's kind of the kindly lawyer who takes a liking to her, kind of takes her under his sort of fatherly protective shield and sets out to defend her. But the question is, not so much whether he can defend her, but whether or not she even wants to be defended when she can't possibly face even the concept of a fair hearing in a town that's hell-bent against her. This might help you. For the jury to be able to hear from you, for them to be able to see you as the... As the kind person you truly are. They're never going to see me like that. Listen, I know you have a world of reasons to hate these people. No, I never hated them. They hated me. I mean, they laughed at me. They left me. They harassed me. They attacked me. You want me to beg for my life? I don't have it in me. I won't. I will not offer myself up. They can make their decision. But they're not deciding anything about me. Let's put this into context. Where the Crawdads Sing is a massive, massive bestseller of a book. There are going to be a lot of fans for this who are going to want to see this adaptation. Now, following on from that, Mm -hmm. the opening reviews for this have not been particularly you know, kind to this kind, movie, yeah. and nothing to do with Daisy. Yeah, nothing to do with Daisy Edgar Jones. Are saying that she she is being let down by this movie, which is a massive shame. Um, your take, Van, on this because uh, you know, obviously, we always want to get a, a well-rounded view. It sounds like it should be something. What's that Matthew McConaughey film? A time to kill. Lincoln lawyer. Um, Ooh, is a it a time, time to, to kill? kill? It feels like yeah. it should be something like that. And that's exactly it. I'm sat there in the cinema watching this, and I, I, mm. I have no attachment to the book. 
obviously, it's, it's, I, you know, I, I never get the time to read bestsellers these days. Um, I, I, you know, all these years, I still haven't gotten around to the Tom Clancy series, so I have no idea what the hell these video games are based on. I, I know the Jack Ryan movies. That's it. Um, now, where the crawdads sing, I, to be honest with you, I was going in thinking, is it sort of a time to kill type things? It seems to be a legally thriller. There's an old-timey Southern gentleman element to it. And well, as you can hear from the clip, and I, I had this conversation with Zara yesterday, actually. We were testing out this clip. Um, and my thought was, you know that every young actress of a certain age has done that exact scene. That was the audition scene at Sony HQ when they were developing this movie. That was the audition scene right there, and they all went and they did it. And so much about this feels perfunctory. It feels like an attempt to manufacture to replicate a manufactured success along the lines of something like A Time to Kill. And you can see why, because think back to the 90s, that John Grisham thing was like printing money. Every actor wanted to be in one of those, and every single one of them like cracked a decent amount of bank, and there were hundreds of other things. You couldn't move for John Grisham adaptations. There was one out every bloody year. You pick a young star, they were going to be in it. And this does feel like it would have sat alongside the weaker ones, like something mm. like The Rainmaker with uh, with uh, Matt, I think that was Matt Damon, that one, or The Chamber with Chris O'Donnell. This feels like yeah. weak Grisham. This feels like <laughs> Grisham? Grisham, I'll say. Not quite all the way there. But Daisy Edgar-Jones is great in it. And so is uh, David Strahan, who's always amazing. Harris Dickinson as well, I think, is, is, is tremendous in this. He's always good value for money, though. And I think we're waiting for him to get that big, massive breakout role. This feels like the kind of film we used to see Sebastian standing up until about three years ago, when they until they figured out you could do action movies and things. Um, it, it just doesn't quite work. It just doesn't quite come together. It all feels very nuts and bolts. It feels like the kind of movie that's going to find its audience mostly in Soho House screening rooms, if I'm being really honest, Max. It's, it's kind of that. It's going to be like, I want a nice, comfortable film experience in a nice, comfy chair with a nice overpriced drink. There you go. I think that's where you're going to find the audience for this. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we've taken you on the ride of the big screen, but now we're going to the small screen. So this is your seven-day guide to your top telly on your telly box, uh, top films on your telly box even. And this is going to kick off with, well, it doesn't feel like it's the right time of year for this just yet to watch this first movie. <laughs> it's at 9pm on TCM and 11pm on Five Star. This is happening tonight. It is V for Vendetta. Yeah, which I mean, is so good. We're going to have it on twice. Uh, we haven't got a clip for this one, uh, sadly, but... Uh, which we should really if it's on twice it's on TCM tonight at 9 o'clock which is not a channel we really get to tout very often because they mostly just show westerns but they seem to be edging out a bit lately the old Turner classic movies uh, still on Freeview bless it 9pm they're showing V for Vendetta but if you really want to watch it but you fancy it on a bit later you can hop over to 5 Star at 11 o'clock and watch it there instead so there you go twice in the same night I got to introduce the missus to this recently she'd never seen it because it turns out it's not really a widely seen thing Thing in the US, I didn't know this, um, and it's not really that widely seen in the UK. Really. It's known mostly for its iconography, isn't it? Because mm. obviously, Anonymous adopted the the specific V for Vendetta, Guy Fawkes, uh, you know, sort of 
legend and, and went with it. And this is, you know, the story of, it's, it's an all, it's literally an Alan Moore adaptation. So it's an Orwellian anti-terrorist kind of romp starring uh, Hugo Weaving and Natalie Portman. It's great. It holds up. Not only does it hold up, it's one of those annoying ones that becomes more prescient as time goes by, like you particularly look at politics in literally recent weeks to uh, look at uh, how close this one comes to uh, to being on the bone now. But absolutely worth a watch. Great sort of politically charged dystopian actioner uh, on TCM, 9 o'clock tonight, 5 star, 11 o'clock also tonight but moving on to saturday then it's the great it was meant to be the great reboot the great reboot call reboot call attempt number three or four i lose track of this series this one kind of revisits the uh, the alternative time or the alternate timeline idea becomes an alternate terminator three but of course the big selling point was linda hamilton is back. This time, it's not only he'll be back, she'll be back. Terminator Dark Fate, I guess, I think it's UK TV premiere tomorrow night, 11.30 on BBC Two. Bex, did you see this one before we play the, play the clip? Yeah, I did. Because is it, like, right at the beginning, like, there's, like, a not a dream sequence, but where they're, like, on holiday on some tropical tropical resort. This, and then yeah, all, this is and the then one all that all hell creates an <laughs> epilogue, like a CG-laden epilogue where they've de-aged, like, Edward Furlong, and then they just murder him. So you get through all of Terminator 2, and then it's like, Ah, psych we'll lose anyway and then it's just okay this is what would have happened um so yeah this is just what happens you know decades later when a new sarah connor effectively emerges a different character fulfilling the same role as sarah connor she's gonna become the resistance leader this time around after judgment day and it's now the aged sarah connor having failed in protecting her own son who has to play protector along with a new protector from the future and, and they're all trying to protect against the new Terminator. You know these guns won't kill it. They'll only slow him down. According to your description of his capabilities, our best option is to secure a military-grade energy weapon. An EMP. What is that? An electromagnetic pulse. If we had one close range, it would fry a Rev-9. I might know a guy. Air Force Intelligence Officer out of Bingham. It's 94 miles from here. We should leave this afternoon. Hey. You've been tracking me? If you want to keep your phone in a bag of potato chips, then keep your phone in a bag of potato chips. Well, there we go. That is uh, that is Terminator Dark Fate, available 11.30pm on BBC Two on Saturday night. Moving into Sunday, we are looking at great movies at 6.05pm and we have Oscar-winning performance from mm. Reese Witherspoon and also a, well, I think it was a shame that he didn't pick up a, an Oscar for this, but um, Joaquin Phoenix playing Johnny Cash and it's the story of June and Johnny Cash and their relationship uh, throughout the tumultuous kind of timing of his sort of height of fame. And do you know what I, I have had this movie on DVD I loved it mm. I thought it was really good I'm not a, a Johnny Cash fan or anything like that but I do love a good biopic um, and this definitely def definitely worked and showed at a time when you really knew Reese Witherspoon for you know Elle Woods and her like quirky funny characters showing this dramatic side of her and what she could really do Oscar well deserved I'd say oh absolutely uh, one that didn't quite garner any Oscars uh, however um, I mean I, I can make arguments for it um, coming from the grand old year of 2003 <laughs> I want to say uh, this is also on great movies yeah. uh, the following day so this is on Monday 6.40pm 
and this is it, it, I think it's rated 12 which is why they get to show it at this time of day um, it, it has the great line one of the great lines of action cinema it has LL Cool J cocking a shotgun pointing it at the villain and saying tell daddy how you want it it is of course SWAT the adaptation the big screen reboot reimagining of the 60s TV show here starring Samuel L. Jackson Colin Farrell Michelle Rodriguez Jeremy Renner as its villain and of course Sir LL Cool J ladies love Cool James himself and they are the elite SWAT team who have to basically save the day when they they're tasked with transporting a cartel drug lord um, from you know one point in the, in the custody chain to another having despite him having gone before the news cameras of the world and issuing a reward for anyone who breaks him free have a guess how that turns out for them we are waiting the arrival of an international fugitive the family's fortune is estimated in the billions of dollars i will give 100 million dollars to whoever gets me out of here are you for real or what Holmes? What the hell happened? Our motorcade has been hit. Stay alert, they're coming out of the woodwork. We have an ex-SWAT guy leading this attack. Montella's escaping. Okay, guys, this is what we trained for. You will be ready for anyone and anything oh good fun is SWAT there we go 6.40pm on great movies on Monday for you moving straight on to something a little bit more bleak than SWAT uh, 11.25pm <laughs> on film 4 we have Kathy, Kathy Bates in her Oscar winning role um, alongside James Caan in um Misery. It is the iconic movie Misery. It is the the story that every writer dreads <laughs> of being caught by someone like Kathy Bates. Um, so that is available. We won't spend too much time on it because you've all seen it, and it's just a great opportunity to watch again. Well, we have to we have to mention, of course, the sad passing recently of 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 the great James Carney. Only left us a week ago. Yeah. And I do I will hold up. I think Misery should be held up as probably his definitive performance. He had great roles but I think in, in his time of passing if we're going to immortalise him for the one performance everyone goes with the Godfather everyone wants to remember him as Sonny but I tell you Misery's a hard one to top so do check out Misery yeah. never seen it do check it out now. Yeah, absolutely. For both him and Kathy Bates, I think it's a oh, definitive yeah. film for both of them, actually. Um, moving on to Wednesday, we've got 10.50. This is a late one, actually. 10.50 p.m. Mm. Uh, BBC One. This is Mary, Queen of Scots. So Saoirse Ronan, Margot Robbie. Um, I, I, I enjoyed this. It's got Jack Jack Loudon in it as well. Um, and a few others. Yeah, yeah. And it is obviously the story of the relationship between the two queens. Yeah, I think it has every blonde and <laughs> ginger and British British actor, a male, male actor below a certain age, is in this. I think, but yeah, it is. This is about the iconography, isn't it, of Sir Ronan versus Margot Robbie as opposing queens. It is. It is the rivalry between between cousins, between Mary Queen of Scots and, of course, Queen Elizabeth. My dearest cousin Elizabeth, we have had our differences, and what sorrow it has brought my heart. But before I bring a child into this world, I wish to reconcile. I would our child have two mothers. The mother who bears him. And you, his chosen godmother. No child would be more blessed 
yeah, I did enjoy that film. And I think, you mm. know, it's one of those ones where you expect Saoirse Ronan to be picking lots of different roles because that's what she does and she does it so brilliantly but with Margot Robbie it was a great surprise to see her really get her teeth into this role and try and do something uh, something different so um, that again as we've said is at 10.50pm on BBC One Van why don't you round us out with what's happening this uh, on Thursday to kind of see us into next weekend well, I mean, one that we couldn't even really justify putting a clip on, because we talk about this movie what seems like every fortnight now. It is, for my money, one of the top five films ever made. Like, I think there should be entire museums built in honour of this movie. I think it's one of the all-time greats. It is Paul Verhoeven's Robocop. Um, and it is, there is... I know there is a Robocop statue in Detroit. It's about three hours from where I am presently. One day I will go, I will drive and selfie with this statue. It is on ITV4, 9pm on Thursday night. One of the greatest movies of all time. I defy anybody who has never seen it to watch it for the first time and argue that point with me. Uh, 9pm, ITV4, Thursday, end the week in style, end it with Robocop. Thanks for joining us back here on Off Screen. We are not stopping with just movies on TV for you. Of course, we have all of your streaming DVD and Blu-ray options as well. And that's exactly where we're kicking off with now for our final block of this week's show. So a big movie this week um, has got Ryan Gosling. Chris Pine, I believe, is in that as well. And it is The Grey Man. It's had a big, flashy premieres and press and all sorts, but is it any good? We'll have to wait and see. It's available from on Netflix as of today. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be another one of those actioners that everyone's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll watch that and on Netflix. Wicked. Whatever. Well, but I will say, <laughs> I, I, will say I wouldn't I wouldn't correct you on, on, on getting the wrong Chris if you hadn't gotten like the the best Chris mistaken with the worst with the worst <laughs> so we're, we're talking about it's Chris Evans in this one facing off against oh. Ryan Gosling you you show the Sorry. love the Lord Evans that's America's ass <laughs> right there um, so it's America's <laughs> ass versus America's abs I think Ryan Gosling and by all accounts it is quite a nuts and bolts action but the whole thing here of course is that it's the Russo brothers behind this so mm-hmm. it's it's spy versus spy, and the Russos calling the shots. Oh, man. Hey, sunshine. Mm. You must be Lloyd. What gave it away? The white pants, the trash dash. It just it leans Lloyd. Where's the drive? Got it here somewhere. It's just hard to see. Is that in? So I suppose the question is, is is The Grey Man the movie to get all those subscribers back onto Netflix? We'll just have to wait and see after the mass exodus <laughs> that has happened. Um, well, actually, the next movie that's on our list, um, which is also out today, uh, available on Freevee, uh, which I had the pleasure of, of jumping on and experiencing in the last week or so, um, is not just one, but two versions, The Grudge and The Grudge 2. Now, I have to say, The Grudge is the first ever date night movie, weird date night movie that I have with my husband. So um, there is a there is a bit of, yeah, bit of a weird one. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, God, God, when was this, 2003? I think it's about that, but I would argue that as as you're, you're, you're currently expecting, and this was your date movie, that this might be the, one of the most successful examples of a date movie. 
literally. Yes, all the way. Full <laughs> yeah. circle date movie. There we go. Full all the circle. Way through. <laughs> it's a 2006 or seven, I think, for the sequel to this. I don't remember ever actually finishing the one. Um, but Free V is an interesting uh, thing because this is like a new tier of Amazon Prime video. Uh, Amazon Prime Video now. This is what used to be INDB TV, and this seems to be the explanation as to where Amazon Prime is putting its back catalogue of films rather than its new exclusive ah. things, which is putting on Prime. Um, it's also worth noting the Amazon Prime interface, the UI, which has legendarily been one of the worst streaming platforms to use this entire time, all these years, is finally getting upgraded at this moment in time. They are rolling it out, so there's a good chance if you turn on Amazon Prime Instant Video on your device, you may have their shiny new interface. They have finally listened, and they have finally got rid of the bilge, and, and you can use it, and it's actually usable. Oh, God, it was awful. I mean, I, just, I don't think Disney Plus is that <laughs> great, to be honest. I, I don't like Disney Plus. Um, but it's, it's still better than Amazon Prime. Um, I, I will say, why can't they all just follow like Plex's example? Plex is the best UI of any of these things. Anyway, um, yeah. So, free V getting the grudge, getting the grudge too today. They're also getting today, and this is a forgotten one for you. Um, it's 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 the forgotten Taylor Lautner action movie from 2011. Do you remember when they tried to make Taylor Lautner a thing for like five minutes on the back of Twilight? It was called Abduction, oh, and he was a teenage boy who discovered that he was also a missing child, and and. and that he was part of a conspiracy and that his parents weren't really his parents and it was nuts and bolts schlocky eagle eye style like Shia LaBeouf era action schlock but you know you can see it on on Freeview today um, on, on Disney Plus though and this is one you may well remember um, this was the forgotten Danny Boyle movie from I think 2010 2011 yeah. called Trance with uh, with James yeah, McAvoy and Rosario Dawson you've seen this one this is good isn't it yeah 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 yeah, it's good. I think it, oh God, I watched it once when it came out and I was quite, mm. do you know what? I was kind of whelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed, wasn't underwhelmed, <laughs> I was just whelmed by it. Um, and it's it's something like, it doesn't he go, she's like a psychiatrist or something and he goes to see her for some sort of ailment and then all these weird things happen. That's all I can remember of it. I'm not sure. It's a right heist movie with a hypnotherapy it. element. It's, it's it, deranged. It's quite twisty, turny, trippy fun. Uh, you've got Vincent Cassell in there as a creepy-ass villain yes. as well, and he's, he's brilliant fun. Um, good fun. Worth checking out. So that's Trance on Disney Plus from today. Didn't get a lot of love, I think, on theatrical. I think it got well-reviewed, like above-average reviews, like pretty good, solid Danny Boyle thriller, but not a lot of uh, you know bums on seats for the popcorn revenue, you know? But worth it. I think on streaming, a good one to catch. And I don't think we'll have aged particularly badly either. Uh, kind of like a Now You See Me type thing, but from Danny Boyle. Yeah. So pretty good pedigree yeah. right there. Um, on DVD and Blu-ray from Monday, and you know we got to have the clip of this, because this was so much fun when it was on theatrical. I imagine it'll be on, on streaming soon. It's coming to DVD and Blu-ray uh, from Monday. It's uh, it's Channing Tatum. It's Shantay. It's Sandy B. It's a bit of a pit. 
as well. And of course, Harry Potter, it's The Lost City. It's the great Romancing the Stone style rom-com. Did you, you, you finally got to see this, uh, didn't you? Have you seen this since the initial release? I went to see it in the cinema, very much enjoyed it, and really, really, really wished that they did not put in any of the marketing that Brad Pitt was in it. Yeah. So I think that yeah, would have made totally. such a great yeah. surprise. Yeah, 100% with you. It's great fun. Proper 80s-style adventure rom-com. Miss Sage, I enjoyed your book about the lost city, and I believe you're the one who can help me find its treasure. I have to respectfully decline. I'm afraid I must insist. Unchain me! That's your seatbelt. Loretta Sage is missing. I'm gonna rescue her. I just want her to think of me as more than a cover model. Let's start living dangerously. Alan, what are you doing here? We're here to save you. I'm certified CPR, I'm certified CrossFit. I have snacks. After them! Such good fun. Um, yeah, you're right. It's kind of romancing the stone kind of feel to it. Mm. So The Lost City, if you can catch that on DVD and Blu-ray, it is definitely worth your time. Uh, something that I'm not sure is worth your time, although I haven't seen it, but I, this is what I've heard. Also available on DVD and Blu-ray is Fantastic Beast: The Secret of Dumbledore. Um, you caught this one, didn't you, Van? Was it all right? I, 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 I did. And you know what? Not the worst Fantastic Beasts movie. Like, you've got to give it that. It's not even the worst movie of the Harry Potter. Fr- Actually, no, no, it's all like that. That's unfair. All of the Harry Potter movies are better than all of the Fantastic Beasts movies. The Fantastic Beasts movies comparatively are ass, or at least asinine. Um, it's, this is the one in which J.K. Rowling finally writes the story of how only a writer can uh, can stop, uh, you know, a, 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 a authoritarian from you know manifesting a corrupt election uh so breathe into that what you will but mads mickelson's a lot of fun in it you know jude law owns the screen for every scene that he's in and occasionally they do remember that it is meant to be uh, eddie redmayne's franchise but only for like a scene or two uh but yeah i, I think yeah the second one was worse it's it's argu- it's inarguably the best one i think actually it's the best one of this franchise but that's a low 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 bar anyway uh the phantom of the open is on dvd and blu-ray uh finally the same day and i just want to play a clip for this because i really love this this is mark rylance as the so-called worst golfer in the world i did not know the true story of this it's got sally hawkins in it it's charming as hell the biggest shock of this movie is that richard curtis didn't write and direct it somehow um Hmm. but just imagine a 70s set working class british story an underdog story of just a spectacularly crap golfer just imagine mark Rylance doing Florence Foster Jenkins with 70s golf. Now, you feel that you should be let back into the Open, is that right? Yes, an Open Championship, you know, should be open to everyone, uh, like the FA Cup, you know, give the give little teams a chance. Oh, now, bad luck. Uh, I think this ground is, is sloping. Well, uh, everybody does say that this car park is a bit lopsided, so... Well, I think I'd best hand back to the studio. Thank you to the fantastic Maurice Flickcroft, the world's worst golfer. No, I'm not the world's worst golfer. I don't agree with that. I'm very much looking forward to watching that. I think it does sound very, very charming. Um, what I It's lovely. I was looking... It is lovely. I've, I've heard it very is. good things about it. What I've heard also is that um, this next movie and the last movie on our list that's available on Netflix um, on, as of Wednesday next week 
is and I can I can vouch for this is not a great follow up to its original movie. This no, is the no. hitman's wife's bodyguard, and actually this is. Oh, I think this is terrible. This is uh, like the Hitman's Bodyguard with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson worked, and obviously Salma Hayek. Mm-hmm. They're just flogging a dead horse with this one, and it really doesn't work for me. But it is available for you on Netflix um, as of Wednesday if you want to check it out just to kind of complete watching the, the two movies. But my suggestion is is that you don't bother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no one can fault us for honesty, Bax. And you know what? At least next Uh, week, you know, we've got other things to to talk about. Uh, Hit the road uh, next week. Uh, Olivia Coleman in Joyride uh, is next week. We've got Fire of Love, which I've seen branded about some quite prestigious places. And, of course, the big big heavy hitter of next week comes in animated form um, and it is of course DC's League of Super Pets featuring the voice talents of Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart because apparently you can't get one in a room for long enough without one, without the other one appearing uh, now also <laughs> I discovered this week apparently it's perfectly okay to turn a children's movie premiere into an advert for your own tequila brand and then do shots with the crowd who knew that was a thing Bex welcome to 2022 Van um, well, that is enough from us for a week. Again, you have got guys have got loads of things that you can watch either on the big screen, the small screen, or on streaming DVD and Blu-ray as well. And until next week, when we bring you more fantastic movies. For now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs>